You're listening to Creativity in the Capital, a Solving Sacramento podcast. Hi, I'm Casey Rafter. On this show, we find two artists or creatives in the Sacramento area and pair them together to discuss their successes, their struggles, and how they feel they fit into the Sacramento creative community. They're provided a list of questions, and off they go. In our third episode, we've paired Barbara Range and Jaya King. Barbara Range, director of the Brickhouse Gallery and Art Complex since 2012, has called her work as the space's curator in service of arts to the community. Range has an undying fire for social justice sparked by a childhood partially spent in the Los Angeles neighborhood of Watts during the mid-60s Watts Uprising. Jaya King is a Sacramento-based muralist and painter with a portfolio that boasts a diverse selection of black and white paintings, vibrant 4,600-square-foot murals, and delightfully textured and caustic work. King also teaches her craft, most recently offering an online color-mixing masterclass. The two self-labeled Sacramento transplants, both California natives, supplanted in our city, met at Brickhouse Gallery to discuss their earliest experiences with the Sacramento creative community, their thoughts on a primer for fledgling artists, and the scarcity of artist residency in the region. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Um, what do artists need to make success a reality? What do artists need to make it to make it a success? Oh my goodness. They need to really believe in themselves. They need to be seriously committed to their art and they need to be committed to the journey to get wherever it is that they need. But most of all when uh, an artist is coming to me, they're looking for support. They're looking for information. How do I frame this art? You know, what is a contract? What do I need to look at in terms of a contract? What do I need to know? Artist statements, bios, putting together a portfolio, because I've had many artists walk in just cold with me with nothing and ask me for an art exhibition. No, it doesn't work like that. But how to prepare themselves? So that when they do walk into an art gallery, they're fully clothed. They're not naked. I have my portfolio. I have my bio. I have my resume. But a gallery is there to support, to help sustain them, to help guide them. And especially if they're a first timer, it's cold turkey for them. That could be so intimidating. It's very intimidating for them. For me, the artists that come in, it's almost like they're my children and you need to take care of them right? You need to protect them as much as possible. But just really making sure that they're prepared after they leave me. The business of art, which is what you touched on, the bio, the statement, knowing how to read a contract, knowing your numbers. I mean, that one is high on my list. How to price your art. How to price your art and how to be, how to be reasonable mm-hmm. with it. And you know, how to know when that you are at that next step where you move the decimal point over. Exactly. And having confidence in that. And you can say, this is why this is X. And this is why this was X five years ago. I think that with artists who are jumping in, the resources are not black and white available. Mm-hmm. Like you could just, how do I do this? How do I do that? And so there's a lot of swimming. I think that resources need to be out there or at least newbie artists need to be educated about where to find those resources so that they can strengthen themselves. Maybe if we had more resources provided in galleries,
space, you know, where we're doing artists one-on-one. The artist has to understand that a lot of the work they have to do as well. I'm not going to, you know, shepherd you constantly all the way. I want to make sure that any information I'm sharing with you, that you're using it, that you're applying it. I don't like wasting my breath, but I love when I see an artist applying the information that you've shared with them. And that shows through their art, that shows through the etiquette, how they address you. I've created my portfolio. Oh, I've updated my Instagram account. Oh, I finally got a website. All of those things it is that you need, which I know is cumbersome, but they're needed. You need to put the time in. And I think that unfortunately there's a lack of that. Maybe it's generational, the elbow grease that you need on your own bio and not just, you know, finding it on AI. Oh, no AI. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like going to the gym. You're strengthening your skill set to writing about yourself. And I know that with conversations with some more emerging artists, they have a hard time writing about themselves. They feel weird about it. My advice is separate yourself from your art. Now, speaking personally, I am my art. My art is me. I take it very personally. Of course, you know, I invest 100% of myself in my art. But when you look at it as a business, you're looking at your art as the product. Like you are managing you and write about you in that sense. Like write about someone that you are working for. Yeah, because you are the product. You are the product. For me, making that distinction makes it a lot easier to, well, like when I have to toot my own horn, you know, hopefully I'm doing it in, you know, the most appropriate way possible. But I think that a lot of folks have a hard time doing that. And that's one way that I found success with that is I am my own manager and my manager is going to be my biggest advocate. I think that comes up with a lot of self-confidence, self-esteem, and then people doing reflective work uh, when you're talking about knowing yourself. And so that means that you have to do that reflective work, you know, like really, who am I? You know, why am I an artist? Why am I, you know, doing art? What why am is, I creating this Why piece? am I creating this piece? Is this piece for me? Is this piece for exhibition? What type of exhibition? Who's the audience? What message do I want with it? Mm-hmm. That internal resonance with creating for yourself, that can easily start to cross over into your own public art practice. Sure. I find that that dance between you know, what is going to be exhibited, whether you're doing a piece of public art like a mural or if you're doing the gallery work or if you're exploring something else, they're all tied together. Each of those can be an internal exploration. And I believe that leads to the evolution. Almost definitely. That's what I love about art. Seeing how far, you know, artists have come to understand themselves within their art. It's a beautiful thing when you're able to see it and recognize it. It's awesome. I want to be very distinct with the term evolution in the artist. Speaking for myself, I have the raccoon mentality of I'll be excited by any little shiny thing. You know, I, I love encaustic work. I love acrylic work. I love abstract. I love texture. I love creating texture in acrylic or encaustic. I love working with mixed media. I'm excited about the XYZ alphabet of anything I can lay my hands on. They all cross-inspire each other. And within that artist, that evolution should be reflected not just in the artwork. Like when you're just 
for instance, changing motifs. Mm -hmm. For the sake of changing motifs, that can be a successful new body of work. Mm -hmm. But when something shifts inside, that's when it's poignant. That's when it's a watershed moment. And that's for like, okay, that just leveled up. And I think depending on who you're looking at in the art community, you can see the, you know, the inspiration changes, but, but there's still sort of like a status quo mm -hmm. with, with production. Yes. And then when something just gets blown out of the water, you're like, oh, okay, that's evolution right there. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets really exciting. Yeah. And it inspires you. It mm -hmm. makes you smile. It makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gives you joy. How do you feel about the Sacramento artistic community? And are you a part of it? Is it important? And is it welcome? I moved into Sacramento in 2018. I used to live 40 minutes south in a cow town. Coming from the Bay Area, from a very different art scene, I immediately felt welcome. I felt welcome from the first month that I started working here. And so coming into Sacramento, it felt like a small town mm -hmm. and it felt like the art community was close. This is the first time that I've ever felt like I was at home in my community and that I was, I'm, I'm absolutely a part of it. My short history through Sacramento art scene, I'm now doing public art, working directly with communities to create these community projects that is life-changing. I feel so much gratitude because the trajectory really just skyrocketed. I'm a transplant too. I'm not a Sacramentan. Um, I migrated from uh, Los Angeles in 1983 to Oakland and then raised my daughter there and lived in Oakland for a good 15, 20 years. Coming from Los Angeles, I was exposed to a huge, beautiful, art community there. And that was everything from theater, poets, authors, dance, music, everything you could possibly imagine. In segregated ways, though, because you didn't have a lot of African-American artists in the 70s and the 80s who were in white yeah, galleries. They were in communities such as, you know, Baldwin Hills, the Lamert Park area, and Watts. And those are areas that I grew up in. And so I saw a very rich Black art community there. And when I was in Oakland, I was only able to find one Black gallery that was there, and that was Samuel's uh, gallery. This gallery was just awesome, though. It was amazing. And it wasn't until later when Jerry Brown was mayor of Oakland, Oakland uh, kind of got bamboozled there thinking that you were going to have an art community, you were going to have a business community. It was all about jobs. This is where my social activism came in. I migrate there and see that the art community is just really kind of new. And so then I get here and I always felt that the capital should be the leader in that. Representing. Representing the art community. But then not understanding, and a, a friend said, Barbara, this is a capital. You know, this is a town where policies, everything that affects humans in California is done. Nobody's thinking about art, right? And I was like, what? Why not? <laughs> what do you mean? This is the capital. Everything should be art around here, right? And so I had that had to resonate with me. 
policy making and how they had to catch up. So the Sacramento Arts Commission eventually started moving in the direction. It built to that. I built the relationship with community, with the Oak Park community and communities outside of that. I grew and developed relationships with artists as well. Once you come inside the gallery and we talk to, to one another, and we're talking about art and we're sharing our experiences, and then we're talking about developing and growing together, that's a whole different story for me. That's something that I can do. That's something that I can work with. The community for me is more comfortable. Is there more that I think that could be happening within the art community here? Absolutely. Yeah. Has the art community grown here by huge numbers? Of course it has. I've watched it grow. Just watching the art, just watching the artist grow, the utility boxes, more art popping up. We were considered off the grid. Mm-hmm. So we're still in not a, getting in a, in a that. Park. Yeah, in a we're, park. well, anything south of Midtown and downtown, yeah. you're off the grid. But there's a huge art community beyond that. Once they understand that bringing art, when we're talking about art and beautifying and edifying communities, it's not just one particular group or one particular area. Yeah, they're starting to move a little bit beyond, but not fast enough to the communities that I feel. And those are communities of color, Mm -hmm. you know, that can use and want to see pretty things and want to see color. Every community wants to be beautiful. I don't feel that anybody living in a community wants to have vacant lots and barren land and trauma and crime. I don't think all people want to live like that. Art for me is a way of moving in and helping to change ideas and perceptions of communities. It's connectivity. Totally. It's a way that the community can also have a sense of pride and ownership and empowerment over what surrounds them. And that's something that I've been fortunate enough to be able to help facilitate in underserved communities. I think that that sense of ownership and empowerment is, I mean, that's transformational and is necessary for, especially for the next generation of artists. And I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the, the five-year-olds that are, that are walking, you know, the elementary school. Their brains are still developing, seeing that level of empowerment in their community and also just from an artist creating something, this individual leading this project, bringing something beautiful to fruition into an otherwise, you know, not so pretty environment that I would imagine shapes that mind in some way that they either say to themselves like, oh, I can do something, whether it's creative or not. Mm -hmm. When you're able to participate in it, that's amazing. When you're able to see it transform day by day, it's a huge impact because they they can say, look, I can do something too. So this is how I'm going to change my community. I'm going to practice art on my paper at home Mm -hmm. so that I can do something like this too. And that's what is missing, has been missing in schools. So it's not necessarily being taught. Creative thinking through art is not part of the curriculum. And it should be. And it should be. What can Sacramento do to enhance this? Mm -hmm. This is something where, I hope this isn't going to sound too righteous, but know who you're voting for. There's legislation that gets put out uh, or put through that supports public art. There are 
folks that you want to know where they stand on a you know creative platform. Do you want them in office so that they can help pass this type of legislation that can help beautify communities, that can create opportunities for people where opportunities might not have been present? Because if you don't vote, you give up any right to complain. Yeah. You don't have a voice. You don't have a voice if you don't vote. From a community standpoint, yes, putting through these opportunities for public art or looking at vacant spaces and how can these vacant spaces be better used possibly for people who need studio space or creative space. You know, how do we get another warehouse artist loft and affordable it's, housing for artists? Yeah. We, we need more than one. Well, of course you do. One of the things for me, you know, about the, the brick house was the art studios. We still have the least expensive art studios in Sacramento. Studios have to be affordable for artists. So you have to remember that artists, they're living to work for their art and live off of their art. When you don't have affordable housing, most, most artists are not even working another job. I've found a lot of beginning artists, and I don't even know how they're doing it, not having another job. How are you living when you have rent and then your wages are not comparable to your cost of living? Artists are compounded with all of these issues. The Brick House having art studios, I was real happy about, oh, we have art studios where an artist can come in, it's affordable, you can create your art, you can move in and out without restrictions, but then also to being able to have a safe environment, you know, a peaceful environment, mm -hmm. and then harmony with the rest of your art community, you know, that is here. Faith, Faith. now. Faith just reopened. Just started, uh, well, she started a residency program, too. Mm -hmm. um, and she's working with the gallery by We Are Sacramento. These are two galleries that are represented by artists of color. And um, they opened at right about the same time. Mm -hmm. And this is so cool. Like this, Because it's needed. This is so needed. Having a gallery representation by that next generation, this is something that is not common, well, and that, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and, and starting to see what the needs are. Residencies are really important, you know, but artists are needing more than a year. Mm -hmm. They're needing at least two years to, you create, know, a to create a body of work, right? And then within that, they don't need to worry about how am I going to pay for this? Providing the space, and that space is paid for. Giving them a per diem, you know, whatever is needed so that they can live because they still have to live, right? There's still overhead. There's still overhead. It doesn't go away. But thinking outside of the box or thinking in the future of what's really needed for an art community and for artists to thrive, that's what's needed. Residencies, right? Spaces, affordable spaces, studio spaces support system that is going to help sustain the future emerging artist and beyond. That's what's needed. Support for Creativity in the Capital comes from the Sacramento Observer, which has served Sacramento's Black community for 60 years and is a member of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative. Read more at sacobserver.com. Some people create well with others. 
other people need solo space, their solitude. Mm -hmm. And I have transitioned from painting well with others to I need, I need just me and my space. And that is where my vibe is. That was a transition that kind of happened over COVID. I kind of transitioned a a classroom space into the back of university art into my studio. Then COVID happens and I am now by myself, working by myself, and something clicked where I was creating a whole new body of work. My way of creating shifted. And so personally, I need a space where I'm not going to be interrupted. I need a space where I can just focus and I can be weird on my own and do my thing and not have to worry about someone's music bugging me or, you know, hearing someone eat their lunch. I don't need any of that. So having an opportunity or having a resource for emerging artists where they have a freedom to choose how they create. Oh, sure. And I know that there's grants that are out there, and this is this is awesome. Yay, we need more of them. But there, there hopefully can be more support that doesn't necessarily need to filter down from you know a federal grant program. The concept that a lot of states and cities are developing now is redevelopment of their downtowns, and then we're going to bring in some artists, and we're going to you know, give them some space, you know, which for me is exploitation. That's Mm -hmm. just Barbara. You're going to make your living off of the artists that are there. It's a selfish idea for me. You're giving the artist the space for a specific reason, not for the artist to literally be able to create, Create live, and survive. I'd love the idea if it were that. But we're talking about creating spaces now for artists where it is to draw literally patrons in for different things, but not for the purity of art and the artist. If we're doing the rail yards down there, let's take some of those old rail warehouses down there. Let's transform that and create that idea that you were just sharing those spaces. They're right for that in artist community down there. I'd love to see that. You know, you could definitely take one of those Sign and do me that. Up. Maybe two. Sign me up. That's how large they are. And develop that. Then you have the second Saturdays that we were talking about. You're creating spaces where artists can create, but you're also creating spaces that are drawing in community, you know, who are curious about what this new art community is. Where the artists can thrive and not necessarily the building. Exactly. I'd love to see that transformation while they're creating everything it is that they're uh, creating. I love the idea. I think that if we understand um, the art community and that uh, art is in the forefront of everything it is that you do in, in any city, any state, you know, it's the messenger, you know, for communities, for the people. It's the messenger that carries whatever that voice is from that politician, whatever that mood is that is happening, you know, within a community, it carries that and it's translated from that artist to that piece of art or for that novel or book that was being created or for that piece of poetry or for a pantomime that was done, you know, in a theater, a play. What themes or topics in art catch 
and sustain your attention. Well, <laughs> definitely the one we have coming up in here, you know, the homeless issue. I was actually an organizer in uh, Oakland working with an organization that was called the National Union for the Homeless. And it was out of Philadelphia. And it was founded by common beings, you know, who were homeless and decided to take things in their own hands and created a homeless union. They had all of the issues, childcare, mental illness, uh, education, housing, jobs, everything that is facing the homeless community today. The majority of the homeless out even still now are veterans. Even now you have a new group, you know, you have women and children even more so, families out there, children out there, teenagers out there as well. But subjects such as this, that moves me, you know, art with a message is what it is that I love because I also feel that we should be teaching with art. Art should be that tool. It's that voice for the voiceless. Homeless so, to Heartful okay. is the title of this exhibit. The photographer's name is Kachisa de Madu. His photography business is called Make It Madu. I love thematic art. The, another one that we did was during um, the Black Lives Matter movement. And uh, we literally had a casket in here that was uh, airbrushed. That was just, it was heart riveting. And that was done by a, a gentleman. He goes by Airball. And when he did the Black Lives Matter casket, it literally took my breath away. Things like that with the messages. And then solutions, I'm always looking for solutions. I don't want to have art, and then we don't have solutions for the messages it is that we're sharing with the community that comes through here. We do have a responsibility, individuals, I'm saying, we have a responsibility to our communities it is that we live in. I think that we do. We I as know artists. We as artists, but we also, too, as individuals. You have a responsibility to create the kind of community it is that you want to see and, and be in, I feel. Things for me are real important um, in art. I think we can have things that are beautiful and, and things where we don't really have to think about uh, anything every now and then, but sometimes we need... What's the change? The impact of this particular show, you know, it presents you not necessarily with something beautiful, but with what what is the change and what change can you make individually and what what is that next step after you see this type of artwork? Well, first, I'm, I do think these pieces are beautiful. Honestly, I love his photography. I think his photography eye is just so on point. So I've seen a lot of beauty uh, in, the, in the images. But I think also, too, for us, and him sharing uh, this exhibit with us was for us to do something. One of the things it is for this first Friday when you're coming in to view this exhibition is bring a donation. So it can mm -hmm. be socks, it could be, you know, some type of um, hygiene, you know, product or what have you. It could be a donation for food because he does do food giveaways. He asks the community it is that he serves, what do you need? And I thought that was absolutely beautiful. 
when I, when I was describing what you see might not be beautiful, what might not be beautiful is the public statement. The work itself is superior, but beautiful, beautifully executed work depicting something that is not beautiful, that's intense. That's where your wheels start to turn. Any work that does make you question things and makes you think about your place in all of it, sure. that's next level. This show is one that does that. It can be challenging for people to look at, and I think that's the type of work that needs to be out there. Easy to look at work has its place. There's a spectrum. What changes people, what changes communities, and what changes history is putting something out there that is not necessarily easy to look at. It was the, the exact same thing with the Black Lives Matter exhibition. It, it was jarring for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And during that time, too, we were working on an exhibit with the Crocker that was called Art in Artivism. And we were creating peace poles out uh, in the back. We had Stefan Clark's name that was up there. There was a hummingbird that flew in from outside. There was an artist that was in here, and she saw the hummingbird, and then she rallied all of us into inside the gallery. And we look up, and the hummingbird has landed on the name tag for Stefan Clark. You know, we just kind of went crazy, right? Of all the names that were up there, this hummingbird lands on Stefan Clark's name. That was a a pivotal moment for me. Are we doing something right? Did we get the message to the few people that were here? I felt like we did. It was heartfelt. It was emotional. There's so much I feel it is that we can do just through art for changing humanity. Yeah, I've had some crying moments in here with some of the pieces. I'm studying uh, the faces. And I think the beauty for me of having uh, the gallery is that I get to sit with the art. There's been times where I've just put a little pallet down here, (laughs) lights are down, pillow, and lie back, and just feel the energy, the spirits, you know, of, of the art. My resonance with this is the portraiture, because I love painting portraits when I'm doing a portrait. That is a connection with me and that portrait. And I see parts of myself in the other person that I'm painting, and it becomes an introspection. When I'm looking at these portraits, I'm looking at a part of myself. Mm -hmm. So the connection to the creation of the portrait, viewing the portrait, that other person is some connection to a part of you that you either want to connect to or you're in denial connecting to, that can bring up an emotion that you don't expect. Mm -hmm. My journey with my own portraits that I do, it's a personal journey. That's that's my pet project. That's my Jaya project. Seeing through that lens, it's not seeing that person, but what does that person see when they look back at me through that other side of the canvas or that other side of the panel or that other side of the photograph? What does that person see when they're looking back at me? You could say, I'm looking at this portrait. Is a black and white portrait of uh, a smiling man with, uh, you know, gray stubble who got, you know, four o'clock shadow. That that is what this this is a portrait of. If it's a good portrait, 
I feel, who am I to that person? I think that is what good art does. Yes. When you are presented with something and it's not the art, but it's the mirror. Yes. That's what's life changing. And that's um, evolution. That's evolution. I think that one roadblock that artists, whatever spectrum they're on, there is a block as to what do you put out there and what do people want to see and what will sell. In my opinion, it's not necessarily about the selling. No. It's about the transformation. Artists who are either discouraged because they put something out there that is from the heart or it is a transformational work, but it doesn't sell, that can be extremely discouraging. I would just say to an emerging artist who has a message to say with their work, whether or not John Q. Public is going to understand it or not, put that message out there, speak what you need to speak, and that audience will manifest, Mm -hmm. and that will be your community, and those will be your people, and the opportunities surrounding that message will begin to cultivate and ultimately form into something that will be appropriate for what you're doing. Exactly. When you see an artist who might be trying to like fit like a round peg into a square hole just to fit into what they think should be a gallery, well, that's not the gallery that you need to be in. I would encourage not shutting down your message for the sake of what, what you think people need to see. Exactly. That's one thing that I share with them straight off. You know, you have to be true to your voice yeah, and it. true to your art. And then, you know, me all the time, I'm not making money off of uh, some of the art, you know, that is that is in here because art is very, you know, subjective, right? There have been times where I've not sold anything in there, but the priority for me for the gallery itself was being able to provide a space for the artist to be able to have his or her art voice shown. And they have to understand in the beginning, just like you said, might not make one cell in here, but what was your mission when you created this group of work? Every artist gets an entire year to be able to create their show. And all throughout that time, I'm asking now, is this the voice it is that you want to put forward? As you said, you're building your audience. You know, this wasn't overnight for me. This took work to build. This took patience to build. It wasn't happening overnight. No, now everybody knows your name, but in the beginning, it required work. It required a lot of patience to be able, you know, to to build the audience it is that, that we have here now or the following it is that we have here. Last year's Open Studios, I kind of turned my studio into a gallery. And this one guy who was walking around looking looking at my work, just, you know, really close up studying it. So I, I'm immediately like, awesome, cool. Yeah, get get your nose on there. You know, get, look look at that texture. Get get it. You know, study it. Study it. <laughs> Uh, it maybe be different if it was one of my encaustics, like look at it, but don't touch it. But with my acrylics, I, I you know, just like get up in there and, mm-hmm. and see, see the layers. And so he was going through each piece, you know, looking at it, stepping back, just like what you're describing. 
he ultimately sits down mm. in the middle of my studio. I don't know if he was looking at one particular piece or just this wall of art that I had. That compliment is so high that you would sit down to study this piece. That time spent in front of the art, just like in the gallery, where you're really trying to understand it from your own perspective, or not what does, what does the artist want to say. But when you take time with the piece, you know, whether, whether it's purchased or not, I mean, that's huge. It's almost like a meditative state, too. There's a lot of respect for me for the art, the artwork, and the artist when a person takes the time to really study and appreciate. Creativity in the Capital is a production of the Solving Sacramento Journalism Collaborative, hosted by me, Casey Rafter. This episode's intro and outro music is by Celia St. Croix. Celia's music is available on Spotify or any streaming platform. Solving Sacramento is supported by funding from the James Irvine Foundation and Solutions Journalism Network. Our partners include California Groundbreakers, Cap Radio, Outward, Russian American Media, Sacramento Business Journal, Sacramento News and Review, Sacramento Observer, and Univision 19. This conversation has been edited for length, clarity, and flow.